Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to another episode of the uh, Pod Control Podcast. I think we uh, we're gonna get some nasty grams from the uh, CNCF, right? If we don't, if if we start using that CTL stuff, or uh, or heaven forbid, uh, cuddle. cuddle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the the over governance of the CNCF has come out and told us how to pronounce our words. So you know, oh. it's, uh, <laughs> no, we're just joking. No, it was it was interesting. I it, you know, it's always uh, it's always good when people try and d- document things. So we shouldn't complain about that. Yeah, how, how, yep. how are you doing, man? The, all the trade show season is sort of done for the springtime. How are you holding up? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I think the there's a lot to digest in a very short period of time. You have that where it gets you know slow for a little while, and then it just it starts seeming to come you know fast and furious. So uh, I think we've been uh, spending the last couple of weeks kind of digesting all the new stuff coming from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, it's always good to sort of take a break and relax. And um, so we did get some very good feedback. Uh, we actually we got a lot of feedback uh, from the last couple of weeks of shows. Uh, we got some very good feedback um, from a number of people who said. That we may have, um, <clears throat> we may have sort of under understood, misunderstood, undersold, kind of the the Git ops, the stuff that's in Git ops. Um, so we will uh, absolutely go back and, and take a look at that. Um, I think we we may have rushed through it a little bit. Um, so appreciate the folks who who gave us some feedback on that. Um, the other thing that we got a few times from people, and this is sort of going to roll into this topic, today's topic as well, was you know we got some feedback from people who when we were we, we were talking about the part where uh, Liz Rice gave a talk and you know one of the things that came out of her talk was hey you know you shouldn't run containers as root and i, I think we we may have glossed over it a little bit cuz we sort of said like yeah we've been telling you that for a long time you shouldn't run containers as root and people took offense to it and they said well you know maybe not everybody knows that and you know remember that there's new listeners on the show and and those are all good pieces of feedback and all and and i think we will we will always kind of try and, and, and go back to what's the basics. But I, I think that the, the, the point of some of this is, you know, there are certain things in, in computer science and there are certain, certain things in IT that, like, they do just sort of carry forward from technology to technology. And, and we're going to see that again in this one, too. So apologies to anybody who feels like we're, we're belittling people by telling them to do the basics that, you know, have been in place for hygiene for I don't know, two decades now in terms of security and things like that. Yeah, the um that's that's a tough a tough thing with, with security uh and and obviously hasn't changed with containers existing and all kind of stuff is uh it's the usability angle where it's like, well here we can you know, the your most secure computer is one that's unplugged and buried in your backyard. Right, um right. so so it's not very usable though. So it's that kind of continuum of how can we make things secure uh, while while kind of keeping it, you know, keeping it uh, still easy to use, and I think I think containers have advanced that a little bit. You know, the concept we've talked about previously, a concept of like Docker files, where you you kind of have to be very explicit about what's running in your container, how it got there, you know, um, what ports are exposed. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's like that's a good start where it's like, well, it's easier for some other thing, and we've talked about the kind of components before, like you know, seccom filters and, and stuff like that, to work because you're being explicit about what ports you need and and those types of stuff. Right, right. Well, and and I think to a certain extent, you know, like nothing <clears throat> nothing changes overnight, but you know, we, we definitely do have a different culture in in technology these days, right? Like so much of how people learn stuff is whether it's a blog or a meetup or, you know, they watch a video or something. And everything in that is is, you know, people want things condensed. They don't want to sit there for hours and watch things. And, you know, so getting your WordPress demo up and running, you just want to type a command, you want it to come up and run and you want to get applause. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of security thinking in that because the 
the goal is let me show something cool because I want to get people's attention that the bigger thing that I'm going to show you is, is cool too. So, you know, I get, I get it. You know, most people don't spend their focus on things like security. Um, so anyways, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting sort of dichotomy. So we will, uh, we'll do our best to sort of try and balance the things that we talk about a lot versus the, you know, reminders that people are, are, are new. So with that in mind, um, there was another, there was another topic that sort of, you know, our industry is funny. Like sometimes one topic will pop up that you hadn't really thought about in a while. And all of a sudden there's a bunch of things around it that all sort of attach to it or nearby. So the last couple of weeks there, for some reason has been a reemergence of the concept of let's talk about the intersection of containers and VMs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a topic that, uh, you know, has popped up even on this, this podcast a couple times. Um, and I, and I think it's, it's this struggle of, um, um, you know, there was, I think, uh, I forget where the original kind of thing maybe it was a Buddhist thing or like, what's a car? Like, yeah. okay, you have a car, you take the wheels off. Is it still a car? That kind of like, what's the actual car? I think that happens even here with, with VMs and containers. Cause if you really break it down, you know, what is, what is an app? It's some code running that's been compiled. Um, it's running, it's making, you know, calls to a kernel of some sort. And that kernel is talking to the hardware, virtual hardware, you know, kind of thing there. So then you start as as container technology gets more advanced from a sort of partitioning perspective and, you know, what it can do. And, and VMs get thinner and lighter and they get they keep getting closer and closer together. So it's not – but, you know, looking back – you know, a year, to, it's really easy, like, oh, a VM, like the thing that runs on VMware, and it's, running, oh, the container is this, you know, Docker, Docker build thing, now that they're pretty easy to understand, whereas, you know, what we're seeing with some new announcements and, and stuff people are working on, they're getting closer and closer together, where it's it's getting hard to kind of pick them apart. Yep, yeah. Now, and, and I think, you know, the other thing is, we, you know, we, we go through these cycles of, um, you know, people... I, I, I don't know. Like this is the this is the cycle. This is the way I sort of think about the cycle. And again, this isn't specific to containers. Like this could be applied to like lots of different things. But ultimately, it's like um, something is new, and so there's there's hype, and there was some sort of cool demo. So you know, like in this case, it's hey, uh, Solomon Hikes did a a demo at PyCon, and he did Docker Run, and people were like, whoa, that thing ran. That was awesome. And then of course we have the the. Uh, of course, we have the you know like sort of binary thing that comes out in the press and between vendors and stuff where it's like, okay, the old thing will absolutely kill the new thing, uh, game over for the old thing, which of course we went through the whole like you know containers versus VM thing, and you know that that got its its run for a while, and then there was you know the, there's a bunch of buzzwords that come along, and that you know in some cases sort of like go against decades of experience, so you get people who say things like you know whatever the heck I have is secure by default, which. Um, again, goes back to your concept of like burying your computer in the backyard and, and lighting it on fire, <laughs> you know, and, th- and then there's always these realities of, um, you know, hey, uh, we're now using this thing in production. And, um, you know, that demo that I saw a year and a half ago that was five minutes long doesn't seem to logically apply. You know, all the details aren't there for what I have to do for my, you know, compliant required government, uh, you know, compliance situation that may have to run in multiple clouds. Like what, wait, 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 wait a minute, what's going on? So I think we're sort of at that stage now we're sort of in the, the good news is like, we're in the stage of, Hey, people are putting stuff into, into production and they're having to deal with the realities of what production means. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think it's these, these very kind of, you know, 
ideas in IT, you get stuck in your head about thinking about things a certain way, and then it's like trying to apply it. I remember kind of back in the day was like uh, uh, multi, you know, and, and we're talking about it with this too is multi tenancy and, and things like this, and you know, oh, we want to run our IT as a, as a service, and you know, they're looking at, well, we're going to do VMs, and then we need you know a storage system under that. It's like, well, is the storage system multi tenant, so like we can like well. Well, why? Like, why is that? Why do you need that at that level? You know, there's just picture of this is how it's going to slice all the way through. And you even see that with containers where it's like, oh, well, you know, we're, you know, XYZ company and we're going to have a bunch of different divisions on our container platform. Like, we need it to work like this and like that. And it's like, well, why? Well, it's just because that's how I picture in my head. It makes that's the best way or the perfect way versus there's a lot of moving pieces and you have to make some decisions and there's plenty of stuff there to do the thing you want to do. But do you really need this other piece of technology kind of thing. Yep. Yep. So we've been rambling on for oh, about nine minutes now and uh, <laughs> people are probably like, what are they, what are they going to get to? So, you know, I, I think where the, the crux of this recent last couple of weeks set of discussion comes up is, you know, kind of people are, are throwing back out the thesis and they say, um, you know, by default, I don't think containers are secure, right? As a, they, you know, they don't provide enough isolation to be secure. So, so let's start with a really basic question, right? Um, y- you know, if they're not secure by default, like what's the one command I can run in whatever distribution of Linux to make them secure? What's the command everybody <laughs> should know? Uh, sh- shut down now dash H. Um, yeah, no, they, I mean, that's the, I mean, I know you're, you're, you're being facetious, but yeah, that's the thing. There is, it's a, you know, you see, you know, people talk about it, you know, Red Hat's called 10 layers. Uh, def- you'll see other security companies, defense in depth. It, there, there's a lot of, you know, different kind of sometimes marketing ways to say the same thing, which is security is not a single thing. There's no single switch you turn on that makes something secure or not secure. And for different environments, secure means different things, you know, for what's good enough for something basic, you know, versus something that has, let's say, patient information or, or car data versus something that, let's say, carries top secret or classified information. Yeah, you know, there's all these different sort of countermeasures you take to make it more secure. Um, and it's and it's so there's no like easy answer of like this is the thing that that now is secure so go use it right right and that and that was sort of the the logical conclusion to the to that question or why this thing has come up it was sort of like okay you know containers by them by by default um, by themselves let's so I shouldn't say by default by themselves aren't completely secure they are a very good application isolation but um, you know there are ways in which you know just a container itself may not be secure enough. And so there was this sort of next logical inflection point or kind of inference inference, um, that said, well, then what you should do is, is instead of thinking about just the container and the, and the operating system, if you put it in a VM, that will make it secure. So let's talk a little bit about sort of that line of thinking, because in essence, what that says is, well, the one thing doesn't have a silver bullet for security, but this other thing, which people are pretty familiar with because VMs have been around for a long time and they touch infrastructure teams and they've touched ops teams and stuff, you know, are VMs going to make a container environment secure? Yeah, I think uh, it's one of those maybe, <laughs> no, yes. Um, you know, it's funny to me. It's it's the it's the same argument when VMs were early days, the argument of the VM escape 
Uh, right. And I'm sure I'm sure Mike Foley somewhere is that the the hair just stood on the back stood up on the back of his neck that someone's talking about VM Escape again. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing of like, well, with physical servers are more secure because with the VMs, you know, potentially, and there and there have been exploits in the wild uh, that's been seen where, you know, things uh, I think it was Rowhammer one of them or something where it's like here we can use the memory to get out of this one VM this this exploit and then attack another VM. Um, and so it's funny to see now the other side are going to be like, no, 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 VMs actually are super secure and they are compared to containers. And so I think it's one of those things is there's 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 again, it's it's the more capabilities or privileges you give something, the the more, you know, wider surface area there is for for exploits. Right. Um, right. And so in some cases, in some use cases, containers are more secure than VMs. In other use cases, you know, VM might be more secure, but it's not this, you know, very hard, clear binary like ranking of, you know, there's most secure is physical, then virtual, then containers. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think the, the conversation sort of boils down to two things. One is um, it's an easy thing for people to say, OK, I have an application like I can think about an application. I can draw it on a whiteboard. And then when it goes on the computing unit, I need to put it in something because, you know, that's going to help me manage it, right? So I, I sort of know I want to make it not necessarily always tied to a specific piece of computing. And so how do I put it into a box, if you will, a virtual thing of a box? And and so they make this immediate comparison of like, should the container be the box that I put it in? Or should a VM be the box that I put it in? And And that's fine because like, it's a simple way of thinking about it. But again, it goes back to the idea of there isn't one silver bullet in security, right? Security, if you talk to anybody who's been in this space for a long time, is is always going to be a, multi, a multi-layered thing. It's going to be defense in depth. And what you're ultimately trying to figure out is, okay, there will be an exploit. There will be a vulnerability that will impact that thing. Uh, are there other ways that I can I can mitigate you know, the things around that that will, you know, sort of reduce the amount of ability for that, those things to happen. So, I mean, like, for example, um, you know, people could argue like VMs are great for isolation, but if somebody DDoSes your network, it doesn't really matter because you won't get to that application anyways. And so, you know, then how do you deal with sort of DDoS and, and overflow? And, you know, so it's sort of, you know, you sort of build out this, these layers of where you have to protect to, to deal with applications. Yeah. And I think what, what brought this, also to a head recently was Google's uh, GVisor announcement. Yep. Um, so people, you know, there's well, all these links are will be in the show notes. Um, but if you didn't see that, basically, uh, well, let's, let's, ho- hold, let's hold off because okay. we'll go into that one in depth because there's some stuff at the right. end I want to talk about. But um, but yeah, there, there, it, it did come up from from that. I think it also came up. Um, you know, there was there was a few articles that come out from the Google Cloud team this week, and they were part of a or last couple of weeks they were part of an ongoing series, and. And it was interesting because they really did lay out, like, here's the different layers of stuff that you really have to think about. And there's everything from physical security to, you know, testing your app code to a bunch of stuff. But in there, there was sort of a, there was a, a line in the container section that was like, hey, containers by themselves aren't, you know, may not be enough isolation. You may want other stuff. And some people took it in a way of going like, oh, well, that means that you should do VMs. And again, I think we go back to these things like read the whole article, read the whole thing, get give get, give yourself a sense of what all is involved. Well, well, this is something I saw which was was pretty fascinating. Is we've seen um, kind of a, a an uptick uptick in interest of uh, containers on bare metal. So customers are saying, well, like if I'm going to have you know 
20,000 containers or something like I don't I don't really need this virtualization layer in between I'll I'll just run you know say Linux on their you know or Windows on the host and then do my containers that way in our data center and then obviously do do otherwise in the cloud um and what happens people are like oh well no this this says that they shouldn't do that because it's it's bad because it's not as secure and it's like well no, there's actually no difference there because if I have, you know, let's say I'm I'm setting up a kube cluster that's you know 50 nodes and they're 50 VMs, you know, those are your those are your your barriers. And then if I'm going to do it physical instead, let's just say they're they're only 10 physical or whatever. It's like yes, there's more on the same node, but if I had did the same number of nodes, so I did 50 physical or 50 virtual, they still have the same sort of kernel boundary if you will right yep. there they're they're not uh you know and technically in that use case the vms are slightly less secure if you will because they there is a possibility for vm escape yep. you know depending on you know what platform yada 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 yeah well and I, and I think here's the thing so we're not necessarily trying to to make a statement of saying like uh you should focus all your time on container centric security you should focus all your time on vm centric security i think what we're trying to highlight throughout this show is like you're going to have to focus on on a couple of different things. And and here's the reality sometimes, um, and we see this all the time because we, we've got a bunch of Kubernetes out in, out in production, is is two things. One, um, that's fine for two people to sit there on a podcast and say, like, hey, you have to think about multiple layers. And there will, there will always be plenty of people in a room who are actually dealing with it who go, well, I'm not responsible for that layer. I'm only responsible for the VM stuff, or I'm only responsible for firewalls or something. And again, totally get that reality those folks need to get together in a room and and kind of figure out you know how they're going to work together and the other thing is uh you know the reality is a lot of kubernetes deployments today are on vms and you know from having sat with a lot of companies that have deployed this stuff the reason they run on vms is not necessarily because people were like oh that's the most secure thing it was because like oh I need a bunch of computing resources to make that work. We already have a mechanism to spin up VMs. And so I don't have to change anything for what I do. Um, so be careful in in sort of making the assumption that because, you know, you hear somebody run their stuff on VMs, um, it's because they thought it was a more secure environment. It's because in a lot of cases, I don't know, I'd say half the cases, it was available. <laughs> you know, it's sure. sort of, you know, it's sort of like, hey, I could run on my laptop or I could run it in these 10 servers that we have already running and we already know how to spin up VMs. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where the, you know, trying to um, kind of position it in a way of like, this is the best. And I, I think that's something that we've traditionally done in IT is the, uh, especially in the enterprise space is the like, we're going to build the perfect things. So that's where right. we're going to research all these different products. We're going to figure, we're going to stitch them together in the most perfect way possible. And what we find out most of the time is it's, it's far from perfect. And we're kind of out in an island because it's so, you know, unique and our yeah. you know artisanal environment here where we call it the vendor and it's like well you're literally the only ones running that exact combination of configurations and stuff so i think people are moving away from that and i think this is kind of a little that old mindset like what's the perfect container environment i can build versus like hey what makes sense and and some of those things may just be time to market internally right where it's like yeah. hey we need this now we have vms let's spin up some kube clusters on vms and and this is good enough and cool maybe later and that's those those customers i've talked to um about physical it's not so much they're like Oh yeah, we we don't have a single container deployed, but we're going to build out this bare metal you know kind of environment. Yep. It's like oh, we've been running it, and we've been kind of like as we've been iterating through our environments, we've been looking at ways to like be more efficient and, right. and easier to manage. And so, so we're thinking about long term moving in this direction. You know, so yeah. that's definitely the uh, the approach. Yeah, the other thing I will say is, 
you know, and again, VMs might very well might be the best way for you to, to manage a layer of security, um, you know, for, for what you do. So physical and an infrastructure level security like that very well might be the right thing to do. You've got the skills to do that in house. You've got, you know, licenses or if needed to, to do that and so forth. Here's the other thing, right? So again, a lot of this stuff becomes sort of history that we've talked about, but maybe it doesn't always make sense in the right context. Like, you know, the, the whole industry has talked for a long time about containers being really kind of the portable thing. So if you're looking at multiple clouds, um, you know, containers are a much more portable element because, again, all they need is a Linux host, right? And you can basically go get whatever flavor of Linux host you want from basically any cloud provider. So if you're a Red Hat shop, you can go get RHEL. If you're a canonical shop, you can go get an Ubuntu VM. You can, you know, I mean, you can, you can kind of do that. Um, you don't have that flexibility with VMs. So if you're a VMware shop on-prem, um, you know, unless you're going to AWS's VMware uh, environment, like you can't move your, you can't take your VM to Azure because they're going to run Hyper-V or something else. You can't take it to Google because they don't have a VMware service. Like the the guidance I would say is like VM might be the right thing for you, but make sure that you understand that the VMs that you may run in your enterprise or in your own infrastructure may not be the same VMs that you run in the cloud. And you're going to have to have some skill awareness of, you know, what does it mean to run KVM VMs if you're going to run in Google or if you're going to run in, you know, something else, like what does that mean? And and they're different skills. They're different skills or different tools around them. Um, so, so generically using the term VM could potentially, you know, mean you're going to have to learn some things if you're dealing with a multi-cloud environment. Yeah, and I think that the the multi-cloud thing, I kind of, um, you know, I think it's a really important kind of area. And then we just hear kind of the old arguments, the, you know, lock-in boogeyman that I roll my eyes at where it's like, well, anyway, and there's no such thing, right? You can move, you can move from, you know, one platform to another. There's just, what's the level of effort? You know, what's the friction to moving? Yep. And some things it's like, well, hey, I like I had one customer I talked to. They're like, hey, you know, we're we want to do, uh, you know, Kubernetes. We're doing some of the public cloud stuff. We're doing on prem. The the you know, and like, well, if you use this p- piece of OpenShift and this and that, and like they don't have that there, and like that cloud provider doesn't have the same thing as that cloud provider. And like, oh no no, like we know we're gonna have to edit manifests and stuff like that because you know we have different stuff in environments. They're like, we just their key thing was like, we don't want to have to rebuild any images. Like, oh no no, that you want like, okay cool, right. that was like that was their key thing. For other ones, they may say. Our environment, so we can't even. We're going to name everything the same. We're going to write it in a way that'll be more portable. I mean, that's just. It goes back to each individual environment and, and what's your level of effort and what makes sense. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, um, so let's. So we've talked about that a lot. And again, I, I would say, look, if you need the the TLDR of what we've we've gone on about for twenty minutes now, is look, um, uh, security in our opinion. And again, uh, you know, this is us sort of relaying a bunch of years of experience and a bunch of years of talking to you know CISOs and others putting things in production it's um, there is no silver bullet for for securing an application for securing a an infrastructure for securing a container um, our, our our best practice recommendation is to look at it in depth um, there's going to be multiple technologies that'll help you make sense of that um, whether they are things that you own or somebody else on your team owns they're probably somewhere um, you know so so be beware of the of the person coming along saying, you know, you need one thing and this one thing will make you secure, whether that's <laughs> whether that's a vendor or an evangelist or a, or a research paper, whatever the heck it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, so let's talk about a couple of things that, that did come out in terms of announcements because people want to know about the news and so forth. Um, you mentioned uh, Google um, – 
published uh, open source this thing called GVisor. What what is GVisor? Why do we care about GVisor? What you know, what's it supposed to do? So, um, you know, one of the things we containers your your containers running. It's as we've you know said before, containers not actually a thing in Linux. There's the, you know it's it's a combination of uh, technologies to restrict access to things and you know C groups and namespaces and and that, that type of stuff. Um, so one of the challenges from a security perspective is if you're if you're running on a single kernel is. Um, what commands you let run, you know, there's stuff that are more privileged and that goes back to the whole like don't run your containers as root um, and even pr- access to privileged ports and, and things like that. So you want to kind of restrict your attack surface of, of, you know, what your container could potentially have access to and, and do on the host. Uh, so that's, you know, today, you know, Docker, uh, you know, started with that. We, you know, set comp um, filters, app armor, you know, set up for containers and kind of default profiles. Uh, so GVisor is another approach, which is kind of like this in between a VM and a container kind of. So with a with a VM, my container is making calls to the the VM's kernel, which then the VM's kernel through virtual hardware is making calls to the you know the parent host kernel. GVisor is just a sort of kernel translation layer. So basically, what it does is it has a specific set of um, calls that it supports. So your container thinks it's talking to the kernel and makes these command calls to GVisor. GVisor sort of filters them and and only you know passes certain ones through. So it's sort of that extra layer, uh, you know, potentially you know, hey, we can be more like a VM, you know, from a um, partitioning wise, but you know, thinner and lighter and that type of stuff. And it was definitely challenging. You know, it goes back to the whole usability thing. I think. Um, um, uh, Jess Frizzell had a couple good blog posts on this topic and, and we have the links in there talking about, it's like, there's, there's, it's, it's more complicated than that. Right. So it's like, well, if, if, if they're missing, potentially missing syscalls, will your container not work on GVisor and, and those types of things. And it's, it's an approach, but the question is, you know, how much better is it than existing tools? And that seems kind of be TBD. Right. Right. Well, and it's a, you know, it's another kind of example of, of how open source works is, you know, there are, there are going to be ideas. Um, there are going to be good, lots of good ideas. There are going to be lots of ideas. Um, you know, and sometimes we ask ourselves like, well, okay, you know, what you're trying to do, like, why don't you work with an existing upstream community? And in some cases, you know, the reason is, um, I didn't want to, in other cases, it's like, well, it's too complicated to do that. And in some cases it's like, you know, we just needed a completely different approach to sort of greenfield thinking about this. And, um, you know, so, you know, GVisor is one of those things in the in the same domain that you could sort of put things like SE Linux and AppArmor and others that, that are kind of like, uh, you know, I want to sit between run user space and the kernel and sort of restrict what you can get access to. And, it, you know, I think they do a very good job in the in the documentation of it, explaining what they want to do. Um, and I, you know, I, I think what we'd recommend to people is, you know, go take a look at it. Um, you know, recognize that it's very, very new and it's a, you know, they're trying to make it an open source project. So, you know, watch and see if, if the community rallies around it. Um, <laughs> I ran into somebody, I was like, like an hour or two hours after it was announced, I was in Las Vegas and somebody was literally like, so are you going to move to GVisor? And I was like, dude you're crazy. Like you, like, <laughs> like it literally, the paint is not dry on that thing yet. So, you know, watch it, watch it like any, like any open source community, you know, look at it, does community adopt around it? You know, who are the people that are driving it? Um, but you know, it's, it's an approach. And again, it's, it's sort of a newer greenfield approach to, to sitting between user space and, and the kernel. And, you know, 
you know, let, let smart people take a look at it and see if, if community wants to rally around it or if they say, Hey, we, you know, we already do 90% of that. We don't need something new. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's the, um, you know, there's a lot of good opinions, uh, around it and kind of where they, the way they're trying to take it. And yeah, it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially from, you know, there's probably no company that's been running containers longer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, than Google. Yeah. So yeah, it, you know, just dismiss Google's, uh, knowledge around containers at your own risk. I mean, they basically put the stuff into Linux. So, um, this may end up being the next big thing, or it may just be another project, but, uh, yeah, something to definitely keep in, keep in mind. Um, the other one that, that, um, is out there and, and I guess this has been out there for a little while. Um, Red Hat demoed it at Red Hat Summit, but it was around this project called Kubevert. Um, and we demonstrated something we called container native virtualization, but ultimately it was, um, Hey, there's some things I can do to make VMs become schedulable and manageable through Kubernetes. So it was kind of an interesting merging of, you know, do I have to have a VM world and a container world? It was like, well, you know, can Kubernetes manage those things? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting from the, just a pure kind of computer science standpoint of like, well, this Kubernetes thing schedules workloads and VMs are just a different type of workload than a container. So like we should be able to make it do this. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's pretty, it's pretty neat to see how it works and kind of how Kubernetes been building. I think what's kind of the, the use case side uh, that I hear the most is not like, hey, we have a huge you know VM environment and we just want you know we want to run a ton of VMs on Kubernetes and we want to just switch to that uh, from a management perspective. What what sounds like is a lot of places that say you know we looked at our you know twenty thousand VMs and like eighteen thousand of them are running like little Java web apps or what like those all that stuff can go in containers. Um, so so yeah so we want to do that and we're thinking about this bare metal thing but. In the end, we're going to have some VMs left, and it'd be cool if we could have one platform to manage them both. So even though it's a you know a subset of our environment, it'd be cool to have that. And I think that's where they're like, "Ooh, this this is interesting." Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, it's a it's an early project. Um, you know, there there are you know some companies that are kind of getting behind it. There's some community support. So, you know, if you have an environment that's a mix of uh, containers and VMs, um, you know, it's definitely something to maybe go take a look at, but again, you know, treat it like, like every open source project in terms of, you know, how mature is it? Is it mature enough for what you're interested in? Um, you know, are you, are you able to do dive deep into it? So, but yeah, it's definitely, I think we see more and more companies who, as they're going through transitions, whether it's a, you know, a, a mainframe off of things or, you know, virtual to container or, you know, private to, pu- to public cloud, whatever it is, um, you know, they're, they, they kind of at some point ask the question of like, can can somebody help me bridge the transition so I don't have to, you know, have yet another silo to manage? And and this is something that, that is in the toolbox of, yeah, this this will begin to help sort of managing an environment that has both VMs that have to stay VMs and uh, and containers. So definitely, you know, something sort of interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of uh, the the area where kind of Kube has really excelled was the, hey, we have this this tight central kind of project and then it's very extendable for other things like we you know we saw serverless being added in with other projects and you know kind of compose your own compose your own components that you need so seeing stuff like this i think is is pretty uh is pretty cool yep yep well listen i think we've been going on for quite a while um you know i I think we I, i hopefully People, you know, get what we are trying to get at, which is, you know, uh, isolation and and security are are two 
multi multi-faceted things, multi-layered things, and uh, you know, keep an eye on the conversations happening. There are definitely some good inf- conversations. Lots of smart security people, uh, but also you know, people who who maybe have a an interest in, uh, in in virtualization specifically. So just kind of you know, know know where the conversations are coming from. So listen, man, let's wrap it up, um, folks. As always, thank you for listening, and, and most importantly, thank you for all the feedback lately. We've gotten a bunch of really good emails, you know, feedback on the show, questions they want us to cover. So keep them coming. Um, you know, show uh, or uh, yeah, I think. All the details are in the show notes. Um, you can hit us up. You can hit us up on Twitter. Um, love to uh, love to get the feedback, and we will be using it to, to drive some future shows. So, thanks for everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.